everybody. Welcome to the Low Key Podcast. My name is Tim Malloy, and with me this week, as every week, are our two co-hosts, Mr. Keith Denny in Dallas, Texas. How are you doing, sir? Good. How's it going? Really good. And Aaron Lanton out of Nashville, Tennessee. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. Really excited to talk about a new version of Oscar So White. I guess that's where we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, the issue of awards and diversity and what role diversity should play in awards, if any. This is, of course, sparked by the whole situation uh, recently with Ava DuVernay and Stephen King. I should say we're recording this before the Oscars. We don't know who won, but we do know this. It was a. It bunch... will not be black people. <laughs> it's a bunch of white men um, because there's not a lot of women nominated this year. Uh, at least in the director category and the best picture category, uh, there's not a lot of black nominees this year, with the exception of for Harriet. Um, so, you know, that's obviously not great. And uh, Stephen King had some thoughts on it recently. Uh, I'm going to read his tweet from January 14th. He said, as a writer, I'm allowed to nominate in just three categories, best picture, best adapted screenplay, and best original screenplay. For me, the diversity issue, as it applies to individual actors and directors anyway, did not come up. That said, I would never consider diversity in matters of art, only quality. It seems to me that to do otherwise would be wrong. And then Ava DuVernay saw that and was not pleased. And she tweeted... When you wake up, meditate, stretch, reach for the phone to check on the world and see a tweet from someone you admire that is so backward and ignorant, you want to go back to bed. And she retweeted the Stephen King tweet. Uh, what do we think? Hmm. <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> what, what do you, Aaron, you look like you're really thinking. <laughs> That that's my shut up and let keep talk first face. Uh, yeah, 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 but I will say in general, um, I'm a little conflicted about the comment. On one end, if all things are equal, if they are all equal, then yes, that is that's it's, it's the ideal way to go about looking at these things. Um, in general, after that, you know, and, and I said facetiously, we're going to talk again about Oscar So White, but. Once that whole social media campaign kicked off and I had time to reflect on it, I mean, my whole thing is, in general, you have to think about who the voting body is. If that's not kind of reflective of the makeup of the people in front and behind the screen overall, then I think that we should expect to see a, a lot of white people. Um, because that's what the voting body is made up of. I mean, like, th- there's a uniform way p- that people put together movies and think when people say Oscar bait, you know, they-, they know who they're going for and what their audience is supposed to be. And frankly, movies that are not featuring certain sorts of characters and, and with people who look a certain way, they're not going to be uh, recognized or even in oftentimes viewed by not just the voting body itself with the Oscars, but most of the critics who write about these films. So, you know, there's there's a lack of exposure that, that comes with that. Um, and, and that's kind of this larger media issue as well. Um, but I understand where Stephen King's coming from. I do think it, you know, um, that's how things should be. But that, frankly, that is just not how they are. And I think that's why Ava DuVernay was expressing herself the way she did. Mm-hmm. I feel personally, like, conflicted about it because um, 
I guess when I first read it, I'm just looking from like Stephen King's. I think he's not looking at it from the um, perspective of of diversity in the sense that um, people of color not having as many opportunities to um, showcase their work. And like um, like Aaron said, it's all being judged by people who generally are not even their peers. Right. And. I think he's thinking more from the, or this is just what I got from it, from the perspective of his own writing. Like he would not consider diversity in his writing unless it plays a part within the story, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, I don't know, this might sound ignorant of me, but if I'm, if I have particular characters in the story and there's no reason why they should be a particular ethnicity, then, I, I might not write them off to be a particular ethnicity, you know, um, if that makes any sense, right? Um, like, from my perspective, most of my characters that I write because I'm African-American, they're going to be African-American people, you know? Um, but I'm not going to just throw a white person in the movie just to throw a white person in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, but or Or in a novel just to throw them in, unless that played some type of part within the story itself. So maybe that's the perspective he was coming from with it and not looking at the um, history of the Oscars being, um, I guess, in a sense, a, a prejudice space. But OK, so the, I, let me this is where I kind of I, I think if you're a voter, honestly, you shouldn't mm-hmm. really be super concerned about the history of the Oscars um, and then trying to nominate people because of those past transgressions. When I'm more when, like when I, when I, I'm talking about that, that particular moment or, or like the, this, this moment we're in now, it's more about what gets to be showcased and what gets to be appreciated and like, in what way do we, do we see ourselves in others when we're watching these things like like parasite is interesting because one of the reasons this movie even was recognized by folks like this movie could be as excellent as it is but let's be frank if the american references are not there then the it it doesn't have the attention in america that it's getting though those things i think are very purposely put in there and those references to American culture and, and you know and history itself are very purposeful and, and they're meant to be present so that the American audience will have a connection also. Mm-hmm. I, I think this kind of goes to blind spots where speaking as a white person on behalf of every other white person, I think when okay. you see like an all <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Um when you see a movie with like <laughs> He's an totally all, serious. When you see a movie with like an all white cast, if you see like Goodwill Hunting it doesn't occur to you really at any point in the movie like, wow, these are all white people because you're so mm-hmm. used to seeing a very – you're used to seeing very white movies. I mean you watch Star Wars, all white people. Like uh, the ori- uh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Original Star one. Wars, original. Oh, oh, oh. oh. New Hope. Yeah. Okay. All right, all right. And you don't even notice as a white person. And so I think we kind of don't – I kind of don't always even think about the diversity issue. Um, in watching a movie, I go like Sing Street is absolutely great. It takes place in Dublin, Ireland in the 80s. I think there's one black character in Sing Street, um, which might even be overrepresentative of Ireland in the 80s. And so 
I don't think white people think twice about nominating a lot of white movies for best picture, for director, for everything else. It just isn't diversity isn't a thing that we automatically instinctually think of until recently with Oscar So White, where I think Oscar So White made people go, wait a minute. Have you actually watched all of the movies? Have you watched the movie that isn't made for, you know, your demographic? Um, have you made an effort to seek out things that are outside of your comfort zone? And I think that's um, really where the unfairness is, is that people don't necessarily see the movies that are outside of their comfort zone. People might see Beale Street as like a movie that's not for me because this is like a black movie. Like, I, I think for the longest, and I don't know if Aaron feels this way too, but to add to what you're saying, I always felt like white people in entertainment were just like the default. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of like, like you said, you don't even think twice about it as much because you're so used to seeing it. And even in video games where you make your own character, the character is always white. So you got to go from, if you wanted to create a character in some of those games from making them, you know, being white and using that as a template to then make your character look black or something like that. So it's always been a thing I noticed. But it's also like when you think about it, I mean, black people don't too much watch movies that's outside of their comfort zone sometimes, too. And I think that's maybe another part of the problem. I don't know who who are these people that's voting on, on these films but if you only got like a bunch of white people voting, of course they're not going to vote for films that they feel like is outside their dem demographic. They might not even be interested in watching it, and they might not even be able to relate to it the same. There was an actor who uh, was involved with Monty Python. I actually think it was one of the writers as well. I can't remember which one of them it was, but um, he was very angry about Black Panther, and he was saying something along the lines of it was teaching black people things that weren't true and like giving them bad ideas and stuff like, that. I'm like man what the hell is this shit because it's like no one looks at superman as like shit man look at all these people getting bad <laughs> ideas uh watching this man come out the sky damn i guess they're gonna start <laughs> reading mind comp and learn about the uber munch like you know no one no one like has that critique it doesn't even want to be stupid to even say that it's um, not a racial critique yeah yeah well yeah i i well in some ways superman can be but I mean, when people you know, saying that way, when I was a kid, I remember people saying like, "Just because Superman can fly doesn't mean you can jump off the roof." Like, don't jump off the roof. You're not Superman. It was actually like a thing among like my first grade class of don't oh, emulate shit. Superman. Um, but it wasn't like this is presenting unrealistic expectations for white children. It was just like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It was like beware of the dangers of trying to do superhero shit. Not like you know. Some additional social critique. I mean, I just these things are always framed differently depending on who they're coming from. Also, um, like you see, um, like even I haven't watched it. Unfortunately, I really want to. Um, What's it called? American Gods, the show. It's so it's good. yeah, it's yeah. based off a uh, story by Neil Gaiman. Uh, that was, I think it's a novel first, it's right? A I can't. Novel. Yeah, and, and then so, they made it into a graphic novel too. Right, right. And I know people, Harold, it's this really great story. I, I've read a lot of his other work, like Sandman, which is just just wickedly good. Who plays the, the um, god who is black in the, in the movie? I mean, in the, movie, in the TV series, do y'all remember? Anansi. You talking yes, about so, who plays him? Uh-huh. Um, Orlando Jones. Thank you. Yes, name? yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, he's kicked off the show. Um. And the person who kicked him off the show, Orlando Jones, publicly went out. He did a couple of interviews about this, too, stating that 
the uh, you know, because he was a one of the producers on the show, and whoever the new executive producer is kicked him off, saying that a Nazi, the way that that character was portraying stuff, was bad for black people. All right, so here's here's the quote uh, that came from Orlando Jones. There's a bunch of stuff in it, but among the things he said was. I'm not going to name names, but the new season three showrunner is uh, Connecticut born and Yale educated. So he's very smart. And he thinks that Mr. Nancy's angry get shit done is the wrong message for black America. This white man sits in that decision making chair. And I'm sure he has many black BFFs who are his advisors and made it clear to him that if he did not get rid of that angry God, Mr. Nancy, he'd start a Denmark Vesey uprising in this country. I mean, what else could it be? Hmm. In in the interview that he did, I mean, there's a lot more he, he goes into with it. But uh, for Melando Jones, that's what happened. I'll, I'll, mm. And we'll just stipulate, I'll bet the showrunner feels differently. Yeah, yeah, and, and they've said so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very, very interesting. I'll just say, the things, the, so here's the thing. Yes. You want art to just be judged on simply what it's trying to accomplish, right? Um, but frankly, art is framed differently depending on who it's coming from. Right. And because of that, it is whether you intend for it to be that way or not, it is an ever-present factor in all sorts of you know critique, particularly when you're talking about nominations for the best art of a particular year and you know i know there are some exceptions like as far as you know films that were you know uh, black led that were considered for for things such as uh was it the last man in san francisco Uh, was it last black man in san francisco yeah yeah um that one's gotten some pub i mean there are a couple of others but i mean for the most part um, I mean, look, maybe these these other movies. I mean, see, and that's the other thing. Maybe the other movies are just better made films, right? Maybe they deserve to be the ones who are the nominees. Here's my thing. I'm gonna like thread the needle. I kind of agree with Stephen King that it should be based on that it should be based purely on merit and how good the movie is. Like, of course, it should be. I mean, if Dunkirk is better than Moonlight, I'm not even sure if they're the same year. I think they are. If you think Dunkirk is better than Moonlight, vote for Dunkirk. Of course. The problem is I'm not really convinced that the voters are actually seeing all of the movies. And this goes to something that Carrie Mulligan said a little while ago um, at Sundance where she said they maybe they should have to prove that they've actually seen all the movies that they're voting on. Yes. I mean, because, but, but OK, but I have a question. Why is it not there? Uh, you know, it, it's strange because I don't think I really don't think they're seeing the best movies every year because I thought Tangerine in 2016. Tangerine was, is great. Was a, it's a spectacular, beautiful movie. And like, I really don't think they saw it. And this past year, Clemency is an amazing movie. And I really don't think they saw it. It came out like December 27th. It didn't have that big of a push. The fact, if they saw it, Alfre Woodard would have been nominated for Best Actress. She just would have. It's you know what's crazy too. I thought it was. A sh- I didn't see every movie. I'm not. I'm not even finna front like that. But one thing I know is. It makes no damn sense that none of the actors from us got a nomination because they were doing some fantastic. I mean, like to do that role, you got to be able to like really deliver on being a normal human being and then like literally being a monster. That gets into some weird stuff because everybody thought Lupita Nyong'o was going to get that. And that might go a little bit into genre discrimination, too, where they just don't respect horror films. But yeah. I mean, 
everybody I know who walked out of that movie was like, oh, yeah, she's getting the best actress. <laughs> yeah, but they, they go to say that they don't respect horror films, but then you get like a movie like Silence of the Lambs. Right. And get all, got all the recognition that it had. And then there's stuff like, and I'm not taking nothing away from it because I think this is a fantastic movie, but how did Mad Max Fury Road get nominated? Like I've never well, seen what, what did it get nominated for? I can't remember now. It was Best Picture, one the year that it came out. Ah, uh, that movie was pretty. So I can't. Who else was well, it? What else came I'm out saying, that year? I'm saying it's I mean, solid, but the point I'm making is that the, they don't discriminate too much on genre. It's true that, and it is predominantly white movies that will break through of the genre stuff. And it also right. sucks because a lot of times, like black actors and black directors get have an easier way in through horror um because it's not probably the hardest thing to clear is like the drama bar like will you green light this drama will you go see this drama because those are like the potential best picture nominees and so you see like a lot of really talented black directors coming in through the side door of of horror i mean like jordan peele for instance Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually a really interesting point because so I've never thought about this specifically, but I guess what well, a drama specifically what we think are considered best picture contenders like I, I think they're the most frequently the most nominated films right dramas is that right? Yeah, pretty dramas. much. I mean, very vanilla yeah. looking movies too. Yeah, like and Little so, Women, like what the hell? Well, I mean, I haven't seen Little Women. So I don't. I don't. <laughs> I've, I've seen Little Women. Little Women's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say like I'm just saying, but that's, I hear somebody that's, talk about Louis and they say it's pretty good, but I haven't. I mean, seen that's it. just that's just one of those things to me that I feel that like most black people are not gonna see Little Women. I okay, might but, but, I might but, be saying a lot about a lot of people, but I'm just saying that that's like um like you I know Aaron, you had this situation where you'll talk to most black people and you ask them about the Oscars and they see the movies that's on the Oscars and they like, what the hell is this? They never seen any other movies that's been nominated. So I guess my thing is that there's a lot of time where we want a seat at the table and we're not really um, welcome to the table. But at the same time, half of us don't like the shit that's there. Well, and a lot of the movies that get a pass that are completely mediocre movies. I, I mean, there are so many predominantly white, not good movies that have been nominated for and won Oscars. Like Shakespeare in Love, right? Was that like nominated? I don't even. That movie made no impression on me at all. Like maybe right. it's good, but it I don't. Nice. I I never think about it. I mean, Crash. What? Crash is famous as like an absolutely horrible movie. Um, that won, <laughs> <laughs> that won an Oscar. Right. That movie um, is but that, is freaking hilarious to rewatch. That movie tries to be like a racially balanced movie. Um, I don't know. Like, right. well, just, I, but. I guess, okay, and I want to go back to something Keith said earlier, though, because I think what you're talking about, we having the conversation about like what an audience watches or what different demos watch is different from what critics or specifically voters of the of like the the voting body of the Oscars, what they watch. They should be watching damn near everything, really. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't care. I don't care what black audiences watching. Like, I mean, th- what black people put out and what black audiences watch. Those are two different questions, right? I mean, it kind of doesn't matter whether or not a you know most black audiences know what 1917 is, for example. Doesn't yeah, really but, matter. Yeah. If, for the purpose of the voting body, I mean, what people think in general—that's a whole another thing. But part of what 
the Oscars is supposed to provide is like a kind of a summation of the great art in the medium for that particular year. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be like a showcase or snapshot of what's happening at that time. <clears throat> and it and it is for a particular section of the population, you know? Yeah, I, I feel that. I guess I guess what I'm saying, like we don't know how objective critics really are, right? Like I mean, um, but 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 voters and critics, they they I'm not there's a difference between asking to be objective because you can't do that. I mean, you're I mean, the whole point of this is to be subjective. Right. But mm-hmm. at the same time, view the art like like don't dismiss it. Like it, it's hard to say, like you're you're giving a fair shot or, or like you're you're doing your job or, or you're you're chosen. You know, you're, you're choosing in a fair manner if you're not seeing the other things that have been considered top notch for that year. Right, right. In yeah. different categories and by different artists and so on and so forth, you know. Yeah. I, I think there's a I think there's a thing that happens where when you see a movie that's about people who are unfamiliar to you, there's a little while when you're like, Oh, this water's kinda cold. I need to adjust uh-huh. to it. So like neither Keith nor I are transgender women. But we both and you know, when we first started watching Tangerine at least speaking for myself, I was a little bit like, this is crazy. Like, I've never seen a movie like this before. But then after, like, five minutes, you're like, this movie's funny. Like, I care about these characters. I care about what happens next. Like, I'm super invested in this, and I'm, mm-hmm. I love that movie. You, and- you brought up a good point that kind of goes against what I'm trying to say. It's like, um, because there are certain things that go over people's head. And Tangerine had, like, a lot of terminology, and I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah, you gotta look um, like even when they were talking about fish and stuff, and I was like, yeah. and so like me, me and my girlfriend sitting there, and we looking stuff up like slang words and stuff, and it just kind of it kind of brings you into a world that you don't know about, but it and it almost seems unreal, and it's even more crazy the fact that it does exist. Absolutely, and then you got people who will be weirded out by Tangerine, but are all in on Harry Potter. Where, <laughs> where they, everything's fake. Yeah, they they know all the terminology of Harry Potter, but like Tangerine is too much of a leap. And right. you know, it's just you've got to make you get rewarded as a viewer when you take a dip in something unfamiliar to you. Just every time, every single time. I mean, The Wire season two is absolutely incomprehensible. They're talking about like dock lingo and like all of this stuff about like what it would be like to work on the docks of Baltimore. No one has any idea what they're talking about. But by the second or third episode, you're so in on the wire. Like you're so in on it. Yeah, it's a very unique. But and then and then I'll just say I that's a controversial that. opinion, Tim. I, I I have not even finished the wire, which is what? ridiculous. I know. Well, season but, season one is one thing, but then like season one, you're like, okay, I know it. So different. One is yeah, like, but that's what I'm saying. Like season two, a lot of people hate season two. Well, one is like you like figure out what the package is, and then you're like, okay, I kind of understand the show now. Season mm-hmm. two is like, wait, I learned all that, and now there's this whole like opposite terminology. Of like, yeah, I was just gonna say, man, you, you you just I don't know, we might get some emails about that one. Uh, <laughs> was I, think, I think two was actually good. It's just the fact that it was just so different from the rest of the season. I felt like they were trying to, I, I'm not completely sure, but it almost felt like they were trying to do an, an anthology series that all took place in Baltimore, yeah, and then like have it all connect in the final season. And they kind of in a way did that, but not really. Um, well, I mean, but, but but the thing is, tying it back to our original conversation, I mean, you know. 
I'm willing to go on a journey with any creative team who will teach me how to watch it as a viewer. And I think, you know, we saw that in Parasite, for example. They really kind of hold, hold your hand for a little bit yeah. um, and kind of guide you through this world and what's happening. And then they just kind of let go and let you fall into the, you know, kind of this pit of of capitalistic despair. And it's really interesting. Right, right. And uh, when you think about yeah. it, it's the same type of concept when you watch um, mafia films, right? I'm sure none Very of us so. really Very know anything so. about like mafia films, but I know I was obsessed with them in high school and half of college and stuff, and just learning all the you know the um, mob mob terminology and learning about the, what you call Costa Nostra and all this other shit. Yeah, and it was like it was so interesting. So like when me and my girl were watching The Irishman. It's like the first mafia movie she's ever watched. So I'm sitting there explaining stuff to her, and she's just so intrigued by this whole three-hour, almost four-hour goddamn movie that we sat there and watched. But she could not take her eyes off of it, you know? So is is Irishman nominated for Best Picture? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I it. Okay. It's a pretty good film. I, I really do think it's too long, but um, it's a good movie, right? So... I don't know, but then at the same time, we've kind of been spoon-fed that stuff so so much, you know? Like, um, we, we've been made to understand and be brought into to this world um, by white um, artists, but on the same thing, it seems like, uh, I guess that's not the same when it comes to black artists and um, the white audience or critics being brought in into the world that we present them in sometimes. I just think, you know, in general, you know, I, I don't feel like, you know, anybody need to be trying to go out trying to cancel Stephen King or some craziness, right? But, um, you know, he did after the, you know, uh, Ava DuVernay gave her response, he did write back and, and walked it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people were still not very happy with him. I, I you know, given his his you know past personal comments about all kind of stuff, I, I definitely know he is not uh, somebody who you know was a racist or something like that. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I mean, it it was an honest comment, you know, and you know that's how it should be, the way he stated it. But frankly, that's not how things are, and and mm-hmm. it, it's it's fine to acknowledge that, you know, um, and and that's something we all can continue to work on our our um, unconscious biases towards things. But hell, screwing all that, man, the the damn voters need to watch. Somebody needs to come up with a list of stuff they definitely supposed to watch, and they need to watch all that shit. They just do. Period. We need some some way to do that. I mean, that shouldn't be a hard ask, honestly. It's so hard because it's subjective because, like, if Fred Durst is like, yeah, my movie with John Travolta as a – whatever that movie was that came out last year is a, is a nominee for Best Picture, then everybody's got to go watch that movie. You know, it's like they have no choice. If they say, yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, we're submitting this for Best Picture, I guess everybody would have to watch that and seriously look at it as a Best Picture contender. Great movie, not like a Best Picture type movie. Okay, but but so I'm saying like he, the way to do it, and I, like I'm not writing up rules right now, and I'm some sort of, sort of somebody can poke holes in this immediately. But essentially, what you would need to do, somebody can say, "Hey, please nominate," you know, "I nominate this film, whatever," and then there'd be somebody that goes, "Okay, 
we gotta watch. Like this movie should be included. This one should. This one should. This should wouldn't shouldn't. I mean, they're not gonna be able to watch like thousands of films, right? But the idea would be, here's like the floor. You have to yeah. watch this shit, and just somehow find a way to have the voters demonstrate they've looked at it, and then have them vote based on those movies. That's still gonna be some version of oh something didn't get included, you know that maybe should have. But we know for a fact there's some really good stuff. Like uh, the whole point is to get quality, right, over just quantity. Yeah. And so if we can, we can do our best to at least set a certain bar of like watch at least these. I think that's at least a start. We got to do something though for some of this shit because there's some just some really good things that should be getting considered and they're not. Um, but but there needs to be a a floor that we have for voters and like the amount of effort that they put into looking at these things. Let me ask a serious... They still might not vote for them, but but they need to look at them. Sorry. Let me ask like a serious devil's advocate type question. Like, we don't have tests for people to vote in presidential elections, which, you know, I think after some elections, we're like, God, there should be a test. People should have to know basic science to vote in these things. But then you realize what a slippery slope that is. And that it would be manipulated and that it would somehow turn terrible. So we're all pretty much against that. Um, But the Oscars, we're kind of talking about a similar type of thing where people would have to, you know, definitely commit to watching all these films, which they don't have to do now. So I guess my question is, do these matter? Like, and I'm not trying to be argumentative, but like, do the Oscars matter or any award ceremonies matter at all? Like, why are they important? I think they, like I said before, I think they give us a snapshot of what quality art came out for that medium. In the same way we do for the Grammys, although the Grammys, they represent like a mainstream thing specifically, and that's kind of a different, music is is kind of a different thing to me in a lot of ways. Um, Film, you know, it takes a lot more um, care oftentimes to get it at a certain spot where like, you got everybody running on the same, you know, page and, you know, from from the cast to the crew. Um, yeah. And then you got to edit it properly, all that. Right. Um, but I do think we it's fair to ask for a bar to be set here because it's meant to really. Like I said, kind of encapsulate the quality of a particular year. So I, I think it's it's fair to, to consider something like that in this case. Mm. Um, I don't know, but is at the and then it's just like I kind of feel how, with Tim with that though in a way like because I've always felt that way like in a way it really doesn't matter because there's so many movies that are like of extremely great caliber and they don't even get recognized in the Oscars, you know. And as far as 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 far as I'm concerned, and you know everybody got their own taste. I I think a lot of movies that I've seen, um, pretty much in any given year that didn't even make it to the Oscars. There are some of them that are better than the films that actually get nominated. Yeah. So yeah, that happens I frequently. Mean, like I mean, like you can't tell me Baby Driver ain't like the best movie. <laughs> You know, like it's it, it just, it's just certain. And that movie do have some flaws, but it's good. Yeah, it has flaws, but so does Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, so does every movie has flaws, you know? But it's just kind of like 
you know, everybody has their own similar taste. So it is, in a way, it's pretty biased, too, you know? I, so, I mean, my whole thing, a movie's not invalidated because it's not nominated. You know, right, like, right, right, it's, right. It, it, it's not the end-all, be-all. This is kind of, like, supposed to be a, you know... You know, one version of of how we view these things. These are the movies that are going to be kind of like enshrined in in gold. You know what I mean to some degree. And these are in the movies that are not. They will have a a um, could still be appreciated and have a following and even be considered better films. But you know, this is an opportunity to like really try to show appreciation for work that goes in a certain. Uh, direction and maybe give other filmmakers um, opportunities to do similar things, which is what I do think we saw some of with Black Panther. I mean, the fact that it was made so well gave other people opportunities behind those filmmakers to do, you know, other things that have, have been created since and are being created now. Yeah, but I, I, I still to this day feel some type of way about Black Panther, and I can't give it a pass on certain areas. Like, and, and this is really, like, on a, just, just to get back on that, <laughs> like, if we're talking about quality, like, the CGI on Black Panther is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. The fights so, could be better, too. Yeah. And the yeah, fights could be parts. better. And, and even, even if you just made the, you know, kept the fights how they are, the CGI is freaking terrible. So you're not going to, I don't feel like that it should have, I feel like it was just put in the category just to put it in the category for best picture, to be perfectly honest with you. And I, I felt just, like it, that. But, it, but it, it was a phenomenon at the time. Yeah, it was, it was a phenomenon. But when you, when you look back on it, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not an A+. Plus. I'm not taking a movie out of the best picture category for CGI. I mean, I, I know I will, what you mean. I definitely will because the reason why is because there were there are other movies that didn't have that, you know. And then like if you were going against like certain animated films, just like with the Golden Globes, I saw um, Toy Story Four won best picture. Yeah. Um, Excuse best, me. Best animated. Best animated feature, right? Okay, I thought you said best picture. I'm like, hold no, on. No, 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 Best animated feature. And there was this movie I saw called I Lost My Body. Right. Me personally, I like I Lost My Body more from a, from a narrative standpoint. But um, I feel that Toy Story 2, from a from a overall standpoint, was a better movie. Like Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4, I'm so sorry. I watched two the other day, so I'm kind of thrilled. <laughs> but, um... But but from the look, from the visuals, everything, um, acting, story, everything from Toy Story 4 um, just made it, took it to that next level, right? So if we're going to talk about high quality, Black Panther fell short because of that, you know, especially well, compared to his other count, uh, Marvel counterparts. I, I, I could agree to disagree on, on parts of that. I mean, the CGI is the CGI. I think that movie has a... It's one of the stronger narratives out of the, the MCU that just well that verse that just was completed and wrapped up, um, but I, uh, that, I don't want to get too deep into that because it's kind of a whole nother subject. I hate CGI, uh, hate CGI, um, but I give movies a pass on CGI if they're keeping animals from being used, and I think I think Black Panther gets <laughs> in with that exemption because they don't, you know, they saved some animals from having a bad day by uh, by CGIing them, so. 
Yeah, the rhinos. <laughs> I can live. I can kind of live with the rhinos, but it was all the other stuff, and it was the final fight too. It's oh, just, the final fight's not very good. Um, yeah, it took I mean, a lot away from the um, film, like from the conflict between the two. Like when they fight, when they fight over the waterfall, that was perfect. There was no CGI on that. Yeah, you know, and it, and it felt like a real struggle. So, but anyway, we we can get off that. And we're back. Keith believes that Green Book was the correct winner of Best Picture last year. <laughs> I still ain't seen. <laughs> oh God, man, I'm still a little sick. Man, can't, can't surprise me with, with something like that. <laughs> Have y'all seen um the Two Popes? Yeah, it's good. Not yet. Yeah, I haven't checked it out. It was another one. It was nominated Best Picture too, right? I think it's nominated for Best Actor and Best Screenplay. I'm going to Google right now if it was up for Best Picture. I'm not sure about that. Um, mm. I have not seen all of the Best Picture nominees this year. Uh, and there's some I really need to see because I have a feeling I will. I think I'm really going to like Ford versus Ferrari. And it's crazy that I haven't seen it. Yeah. And then a marriage story was was pretty good. Like that was so intense. So I think hey, we mentioned this last time. I haven't watched all the movies, but I kind of just feel like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should win Best Picture. Based on what I've seen, I agree. Like I just I thought it was just straight up the best movie last year, and I feel like it's going to age really well. And it just it's the one that I find myself thinking about the most, mm. and it just kind of sneaks up on you, and it just feels like it just feels like it exists in time permanently and just sort of hangs there and is just part of the world in a way that the other movies that I saw don't. They don't feel as permanent and perfect as that movie is to me. Yeah. And it and it for me too it does have a, a good um a rewatchable quality to it. Yeah. Um, Very much so. And we're getting perhaps the best performances we've seen from two of the Hollywood legends uh, and Brad Pitt and Leo, and Leo um, just completely riveting stuff and just, you know, um, really using a title in a very clever way. I just appreciated so much about that film and how it just kind of gave us, you know, Los Angeles in, in a in a time capsule back in the 50s. That was just really awesome. Yeah, right. it, it like crept in and got under my skin, and just I I just feel like a real emotional connection to it, and it, and I don't know how to explain it, which is part of what makes it so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, That's I would say we probably should wrap up um, about now. Um, like I said, I mean we we've uh, said a lot. I feel like we got most of what we wanted to say out, and um, I think we can still invite Stephen King to the barbecue. Oh. I mean, look, Stephen King is probably the greatest writer alive in my book. Like, he'd have to do a lot for me to stop, like, reading Stephen King books or watching Stephen King movies. Yeah, so so chill on, on you know, all that extra crazy talk on, on, on the, the social. It's not, it's, it's not warranted. But, look, here's the thing. If you liked us so far, we really appreciate it. Thank you for making it this far. Share this with one of your friends. Tell them about how dope the conversation was. And then you can, you know, go out of your way to shoot us an email also as well. We always enjoy getting those at, uh, well, <laughs> you know, we really need to change the email. <laughs> Just thought about it. We still get them in multiversepod at gmail.com, which is one of the, it's not a defunct pod, but one Keith and I used to do on our own. 
Breaking um, news. Also, I didn't please... know that was defunct. I I'd say it's on hiatus. Eh, eh, we don't we don't do anything on it right now. Maybe we'll come up with some some creative tidbit to to do later. I don't know, Keith. We'll we'll, we'll discuss it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So could you give us the the primer on our social media channels? Oh yeah. So if you guys like us and uh, care about this podcast in any kind of way, you can follow us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. And um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we like to see what you guys think about the show. You can um, slide in the DMs or, or whatever you like. And um, that's that. That's the social media buzz. <laughs> Speaking of buzz, check out CoffeeAndNamaste.com to get that caffeine buzz you love in attractive containers and delivery systems. Uh, mm. All proceeds will go to Mr. Keith Denny. Uh, one of our co-hosts, and uh, you should check it out. You've still got time for Valentine's Day, I believe. I believe if you jump on it, real. I don't know when this is going to come out. You still got time for St. Patrick's Day um, to get those mugs out. Uh, the Irish love their tea. They love their tea. Uh, please, coffee and Namaste. That namaste. was the worst pitch for coffee and Namaste I've ever done. <laughs> please don't no, hold it you- against them. <laughs> man, it's because you always do a plus. Job, uh, yeah, he yeah. always do a plus reads off the top of the dome. That's why he's saying that. So yeah, that was good, man. We'll see you guys next time. All right, man. See y'all on the next one. Uh, see you.